0: Jesus. We're turning together in the Word of God this evening to the New Testament, the Epistle of James. The Epistle of James, just after Hebrews, and we're turning to James chapter 2. The Epistle of James and the chapter 2. And I'm sure, like me, this is a portion of Scripture that you have read and meditated upon many times. But when we come to God's word, we look to the Lord that He will bless it afresh to each of our hearts. And of course we could never exhaust the Scriptures. There's always a word. There's always something more for us to see from God's truth. James chapter two, moving down the chapter to the verse fourteen. What doth it profit, my brethren? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body... Without the Spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Amen. we we'll land there at verse 26, the end of the chapter. May the Lord bless his word this evening to each and to every heart. Amen. Our portion of Scripture this evening is James chapter 2. James chapter 2. We have read together from verse 14 down to the end of the chapter. And I want to use the 14th verse uh, really by way uh, of bringing us into the message tonight. Verse 14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? And tonight, from this portion of Scripture, I want us to look at three types of faith, three different types of faith. And let's just look to the Lord in prayer that we would know the Lord's help in the ministry of his word together this evening. Our gracious God and our loving Father, how we thank thee tonight for the opportunity in the gospel And even our Father, for a sense of thy presence with us already, we rejoice, O God, that we can sing these great hymns of Zion and that we can praise thy holy name together. We thank thee, our God, that we can open up the Scriptures and we can read thy word. And we ask, our Father, tonight that as we would come to the ministry of that word, that thou wouldst touch my lips with that live coal from off the altar And help me, our Father, to speak well of my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, that he alone would have all the praise, the honour, and the glory. Lord, reach into hearts tonight, we pray, even to the salvation of precious souls. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The passage of Scripture tonight brings faith into focus. And in the verse 14 that we have started with tonight, there is a very clear profession of faith. There's the claim there in verse 14 that this individual has faith. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith? And so it's picturing for us tonight an individual who is saying they have faith. They are professing to have faith in God. They're claiming to believe in God. And I'm sure we have asked individuals before, Do you believe in God? And many individuals will reply positively. And they will say, Oh yes, I believe in God. I'm not an atheist. I wouldn't deny that there is a God and so they say they have faith. They believe in God. It is good, therefore, and I believe it's necessary to examine our faith. In fact, it's very scriptural. In 2 Corinthians the chapter 13 and the verse five, the apostle Paul said before he closed that letter, "Examine yourselves." "'Whether ye be in the faith and prove yourselves.'" And so there's that scriptural call for an examination of our faith, yea, whether we be in the faith. And therefore, that faith is to be tested and examined in the light of Scripture. And the faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And if we claim tonight to believe in God, then we should be very willing to put our belief and our faith under the test of Holy Scripture. I was reading this portion during the past week, and it just struck me afresh how there are three different types of faith being referred to in this portion three different types of faith, but of course we would emphasize that there is only one true saving faith. And the reason that I come to this passage tonight is that we each would have assurance that the faith that we have tonight is the faith that saves, is the faith that is going to take us right through to heaven itself. The importance of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and the verse 6 says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. It is essential that we have this true, genuine faith in the Lord, that faith that really saves. Therefore, I want to come to the three different types of faith, taking each one in turn. Let us look at them together. The first type of faith that comes before us in this portion of Scripture is a dead faith. When you look there at verse 17, it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And that verse is speaking to us about a dead faith. If you look at verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? A second reference to this dead faith. And when you look at verse 26 at the end of the chapter, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And three times over here in this short portion of Scripture, we have this reference and this repetition to a dead faith. It's repeated. And repetition in the Bible is there for emphasis. It's something that's being underlined. The Holy Spirit would be calling our attention tonight to think about this faith that's described in the Bible as a dead faith. We thought this morning about repetition, a repetition of the truth. And here we have this repetition coming before us tonight, giving us an example of dead faith, a faith that is lifeless, a faith that is vain, a faith that is empty. Oh, there is the profession, no doubt there's the profession. The individual is saying they have faith, but it's James himself, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who examines this faith, analyzes this faith, and comes to the verdict it's worthless. It's a dead faith. The problem, you see, is there's the profession, though a man say he has faith, there's the profession but there's no proof. There's no evidence that the work of grace has actually taken place within the heart. And James wants to give us an illustration and an example of that. And he says in verse 15 of our Bible reading, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And here's this individual who claims that they have faith in God, but there's something missing. There's something vital that is missing, and that which is missing is works. Works will always follow faith. And in particular, James wants to pinpoint a specific work. And it's a work that involves a practical love. It's a work that involves compassion, compassion and care for others. You see, Christianity is really love in action. At the very basis of Christianity, there is love. It was love that drew salvation's plan. The gospel in the nutshell in John 3 and verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son Paul said of the Lord Jesus Christ, He loved me, and he gave himself for me. And so this love is at the very basis of the Christian faith. And the true believer, the one who uh, comes to true, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will manifest that love. They will reveal that love. There will be the evidence of that love within their heart. There'll be a love to God. We're to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Love for the Lord will be there, if it's true, genuine faith. A love for the Word of God. The Savior said, "'If ye love me, keep my commandments.'" There will be a following of the Lord. There will be obedience to the Lord. There will be a love for brothers and sisters in the Lord. Again, it was the Savior who said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. A love for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. A love for the lost. For those who were lost and dying in sin, when Paul was writing to the Romans, he said, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for my kinsmen according to the flesh. He had a love for the souls of men and women. In those verses of Scripture that we have read, you can see that James is referring to a brother or a sister in the Lord. When you look there at verse 15, if a brother or sister. And so it's speaking about one who is within the family of God, and here's that love for brothers and sisters in the Lord. And James, by way of this example and illustration, is showing us that this love is missing in dead faith. True faith will show this practical love. But in dead faith, this specific work is missing. This practical love is absent. And the Apostle John will actually highlight this as well in First John chapter 4, in the verse 11. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And John says, here's the acid test, here's the proof, true faith. It's manifested in a practical love for brothers and sisters in the Lord. Here's the test of faith tonight. If it hath not works, if it hath not this practical love that James is speaking about, then it's dead faith. A lack of love exposes dead faith. At verse 17 of our Bible reading, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. That dead faith is an inactive faith. That dead faith is a lifeless faith. Dead faith. That's the first type of faith here. But when you look at the passage with me again, there's not only a reference to dead faith, but there's a reference to the devil's faith. Did you notice that in the Bible reading in verse 19? Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And here is another verse in this portion of Scripture with a reference to faith. Thou believest. And here's another individual, and they believe they have a faith. Thou believest, and their faith is orthodox. Thou believest that there is one God. And so they're not atheists. Do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. That's what they're saying. They'll go even further. They believe that there's one God. They're not polytheists. They're not those who believe in a multiplicity of gods. They say there is only one God. There's only one true and living God, and God exists, and God is real. They believe that. The individual here in verse 19 that is really being described as one who could go down the list of gospel truth. And they could tick off every box and they would say, Believe it. There's one God, yes. That's what I believe. He's the Creator. He's the true God. He has created heaven and earth. He's the Almighty you believe in Jesus Christ? They can say, yes, he's the one who came into the world, and he lived that perfect life, and he died there and shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary, and he's the only Savior of men. They could tick that box. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe it's God's Word? And they can say, yes, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. You believe in hell? You believe there's an eternal punishment? They could tick that box. Say, yes, the Bible teaches there is eternal punishment. You believe there's a judgment to come? They say, yes, I believe there's a judgment to come. Do you know the danger tonight? You could believe all that and still be lost. Because what it amounts to is just a mental assent to the truth, that these things are all factual. You could go down that list and you would say, that's the truth and that's the truth of God, and there would be no denial of truth maybe on your part, and you know that's good as far as it goes. Verse 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. You do well to believe that. Then James adds another bit to that verse. He says there, The devils also believe. The devils believe that as well. The devil, there's only one devil. It's here in the plural. It's a reference to demons. It's the devil and his angels. And that's what they would say. They believe tonight. Thou believest there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe that. And maybe you've never thought of it in this way before. You've never realized that the devil is not an atheist. The devil believes in God. The devil believes there is one God. And over there in Matthew's Gospel, in the chapter 25, and in the verse 41... It says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so the devils, the demons, can have all of those beliefs, but they're going to hell ultimately. Hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. And so you can believe all those things, and your final destiny would still be hell. It's a powerful thing to think of what the demons actually believe. And it's recorded for us in the Gospels. For example, in Mark chapter 1, you come across there the man with an unclean spirit and the Lord comes to call the unclean spirit out of the man. And in Mark chapter 1 and verse 24, they said, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, there was the demon, the demon saying to the Lord, I know thee. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Do you see what the devils believe? Over in Mark's Gospel, in the chapter 3, and there in the verse 11, there's a similar confession here of the demons. Mark 3 and the verse 11 And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the Son of God. You can see from the gospel writers here what the devils actually believe about God and what they believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou art the Son of God, and that's a title that brings in the deity, the divinity of the Saviour. The devils believe that about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 5. You would have recorded there that incident with the man. Of Gadara, and he was possessed with the legion of demons, and there in Mark chapter five and the verse seven, and cried with a loud voice and said, "What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not, the son of the most high God." Powerful thing. That's what the devils actually believe about God and about the Savior. And furthermore, they do believe in the judgment to come. And they do believe in eternal punishment. In Matthew's gospel in the chapter 8 and the verse 28 And when he was come to the other side, onto the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time?" That's what the demons said to the Lord there. Art thou come to torment us before the time? The time that they were referring to was the judgment to come. They knew that ultimately they would perish and they were going to be cast into the lake of fire. But they're saying, it's not the time. Have you come before the time? So they knew what was ultimately going to happen place of torment. Art thou come to torment us before the time? The devil believes all these things. The devil believes in God, believes there is one God, believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, believes that there is a judgment and an eternal punishment to come, and ultimately they're going to perish. And it shows us tonight that the devils believe, and you can believe all the facts of the gospel, and you can believe all the truths of the gospel. You could still be a lost soul. Do you know the devil's beliefs? Do you know what those beliefs actually do? Those beliefs confirm their misery— Those beliefs confirms their state before God. And so it is with the unconverted soul. Do you see what the devils do here when they believe these things? The end of verse 19 says they tremble. They tremble. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. This is the only place in the New Testament Scriptures where that particular word appears. And it's a word that means to shudder, to shudder. It's a word that means to be struck with extreme fear, Confronted with the claims of Christ and the gospel and the consequences of the gospel, it causes them to shudder with extreme fear. The prospect of that judgment and that eternity to come, they tremble and they shudder because of no hope. No hope. Maybe unsaved soul tonight. And you wouldn't deny the things of God. There's not a truth in the Bible that you would deny. But maybe the thought and the prospect of eternity tonight would make you tremble. The Holy Spirit of God striving with you would make you shudder. But let me say for you tonight there is hope. For you tonight, there's opportunity. For you tonight, there is a way to come savingly to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who suffered upon the center tree in order that you might be saved. And to fulfill that plan of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life that he might take it again. And tonight he's a living Savior and he's ready to save you. And he's willing to save you, and he's able to save you. And So we can see tonight by way of examination, there's a dead faith, and there's the devil's faith, but there's what we'll call thirdly a delivering faith. You look at verse 23 of our Bible reading. It uses Abraham as the example here. And the Scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God. And there's the third type of faith that you find in this portion of Scripture. Uh, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And this third type of belief, this third faith, is that true faith, that genuine faith, that saving faith tonight. Way back there in the era of the Chaldees, Abram, as he was then, he believed in God. Didn't believe about God, he believed in God. That book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, And there in the 8th verse it says, By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham. And here is Abraham's faith, that true, genuine, saving faith, And he proved that faith was real because he obeyed the Lord and he went out not knowing whither he went. He was willing to follow the Lord. And when the apostle Paul was looking in Romans for an example of true, genuine, saving faith, he went to Abraham. Abraham, who was the friend of God and the father of the faithful, And there in Romans and in the chapter 4, he speaks about the faith of Abraham. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And here we have Abraham as that true example of that genuine saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some would want to argue that the apostle Paul and the writer of this epistle James are contradicting one another. But Paul teaches in the Romans that we're justified by faith, and James' teaching here in chapter 2, we're justified by works. But of course, there is no contradiction. They're looking at the same truth from different perspectives. They're giving the head and the tail uh, the root uh, of the same argument. One's looking at it from a Godward side and before God we're justified by faith alone in Christ alone. But from a manward side, there's the outward evidence. Before man we're justified by our works. They see the evidence. It's the inward work of grace that is revealed outwardly in the life. The head and the tail of the same argument. And Paul could say to the Romans, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he could say to the Ephesians, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. They're both teaching the same thing, Paul and James. Good works will always follow that true, genuine faith in the Lord. So you can see tonight that saving faith. And just as we come to the close of the message this evening, by way of conclusion, I want to ask you the question, was there a time in your life, honestly, honestly, And sincerely before God, when you realized you were a sinner, you realized you had broken God's law. Therefore, you were open to the consequences of that law. And as a result of that before God, you repented of your sin. And you turn from your sin, forsaking that sin, and you embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as he's freely offered in the gospel. And did you come to rest by faith upon him, accepting him as your Savior? Can you look to that time in your life tonight? Not being raised and brought up in the free church and being able to say, yes, everything you say is true. Everything that's contained in the book, we wouldn't deny it, we wouldn't argue against it. No, I'm asking you tonight, has there been that life-changing experience before God when you trusted in him for salvation? And your life has taken on that change. The old things have passed away. And behold, all things are become new. And you now have a desire in your heart to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. And you have a desire there to serve the Lord. And you want to honour the Lord. Has there been a true, genuine conversion? Have you come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a dead faith. Not the devil's faith. But that delivering faith tonight. Delivered from the wrath which is to come. And saved and made fit tonight for heaven. Cleansed and washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. We're going to sing.